Good morning and God bless you and Happy New Year. Turn your Bibles to the book of the Revelation. Last week, we started with the book of Genesis. Now this week, we're starting with the book of Revelation. And we read verses, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And it's all happy and wonderful, and it is, but there's a reason that it is, because God is renewing and doing and all of these things. But we're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 8, and we'll focus on verse 8. And we have to see the other side of the story, and we have to realize sometimes we're deceived. And when you don't believe you can be deceived, that's when you already are. And we'll call today's message the people of the lie. If you would stand for the reading of God's word. But we read these words that we're going to read here in verse 8 and we think, well, what does this mean? What could this possibly mean? So people try to get out of it or they try to pour you into it when it may not be you. So we need to look at this and it will be very helpful to you. And I was so thankful that we sang to change today because the message of that song is the message we're going to be talking about. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8, focusing on verse 8, again, the people of the lie. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on, seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Father, to hear the good news and let it be as good as it is, we need to know the bad news, that we are sinners, but we have a Savior. Show him to us today for it is in his name we pray lord jesus amen you may be seated so it's new year's day and one of the things everybody's going to be talking about are new year's resolutions right and what is a resolution think about it it's making up your mind and making up some sort of plan a plan to change something to change yourself to change something about your life or your situation amen new year's revolutions are about change and about making changes I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to stop doing this, or stop doing that. And God is not against such things. In fact, God wants us to change, and he wants to help us change. God is in the change business. And God is a way to bring change into our lives, change for our good and his glory. And it has to do with turning away from the lies in our lives and turning towards the truth. And there's a very specific word that the Bible used to describe this process. 
And we're going to talk about this word, and you already know this word, but as we go through this today, a lot of people talk about it, but not a lot of people understand what it really means. There's many who don't really want to think about this word and this way, but everybody needs to think about that. So let's ask some questions. Have you ever sincerely believed something, and you lived your life as if it was true, but then you found out it wasn't actually true, right? How long did you believe that lie? And what did it take for you to realize that it was a lie and that you saw the truth, and what did it cost you? Because sometimes you might not be living the truth, but believing a lie, following a lie, and living as if the lie were the truth, and yet you don't know it. Something has to open your eyes to the truth. And this is the truth about everyone who isn't a Christian. They're believing a lie. However, there are many people who think they are true Christians, but they are not. They are also living a lie. And when you don't believe that you can be deceived, that's when you already are. Now, the apostles spent a lot of time describing these people, and we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at those lists that say this kind of person, this kind of person, this kind of person are not going to heaven. And you're like, well, I'm not these kind of people. But then he says things like, and all such people. And here you see anybody that's a liar. What does this mean? It's important. We can't just scroll by and say, well, it can't be me. God can't be doing that. He loves everybody. Yes, but the idea that he's not going to punish people is a lie. The apostles spend a lot of time describing these deceived people. And at the end of his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke of them in what may be the most scary passage in all of the Bible, Matthew seven twenty-one through 23. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, people can just put their own words into that, and I've heard it happen a million times, and I bet you I've done it back in, when I wasn't thinking right. You know, they just want to pour you into that. You worker of lawlessness. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means if you don't give to my ministry, ha-ha, you know, whatever it could be. Right Now, that's a scary passage of Scripture, and what's scary about it is that Jesus is saying that there are many so-called Christians who fit this profile. I know we have some tender souls here that'll listen later. I want to encourage you, too. This isn't about beating you up. This will be about building you up. But there's a process where you can have this assurance of your salvation. And when you see it, it's that one word. It's a good thing one of our elders walked out for a minute and took a phone call or bathroom because if I would have started doing it, he would have already said the word because he knows it, because he uses it a lot. And it's a good word, this process of change that God wants to bring in your, right, in your life. But again, these people didn't seem to be outside the faith. They were church people. These people were very involved in ministry. These people were successful. These people were probably very happy. And they sincerely believed they were true Christians, but they were not. Everyone who has ever seen this text has asked, who are these people? Am I right? Anybody? You've seen this? You're like, who really are these people? And who are the liars that the Apostle John is speaking of in Revelation 21.8? Well, they're everywhere. And there are two basic types. I'm giving you the whole thing up front here, and then we're going to explain it through this and a couple other texts. They're everywhere. 
The people of the lie are those who don't believe in Jesus. That's the obvious part. And also those who say they do but don't live like it. Not about being perfect. It's about what God does and the evidence of what God does in a life and the evidence of what isn't. And we're going to look at both throughout this message because you might outright deny Jesus, so you're certainly one of these people. But you might claim Jesus and still be one of these liars, like Jesus says. Many people calling themselves Christians or not live their lives as if sincerity is the true religion, especially in America. They think that as long as you're true to what you believe, then it doesn't really matter what you believe. Everything will eventually work out good for you. But that's just humanism. And that is the great lie, that Jesus is not God, that Jesus is not the only way of salvation, that Jesus doesn't change people, and that God won't punish anyone who is good and sincere. That is a lie. We just went through the Christmas season. We're still really in it as of, you know, we're January 1st here. And the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus means that we know what false religion really is. People are looking for a political savior, a social savior, an economic savior, a technological savior, or a medical savior. But God tells us we need a savior from sin. And Jesus is the only way. Jesus came to save people from their sins, and that's the message of the Bible. The Old Testament says that God has promised a savior. The incarnation, Christmas, says God has sent a Savior. The Gospels tell the story of the Savior. The New Testament says we're being saved by the Savior and that we should live for the Savior while we await the return of the Savior. Titus 2, 11 through 13 says it this way. The grace of God that brings salvation trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To refuse Jesus, his rightful place as God, Savior, and Lord, is to believe a lie and to refuse salvation. And that's the message of the Bible. It's all about Jesus. You see him in pattern, you see him in promise, and you see him present from the first book of the Bible onward. And to live like God doesn't care about it is to live a lie. Are you a liar? Revelation 20, now we're getting into it. Revelation 21.8 says that all liars will end up in eternal damnation. Oh, wow. What does that mean? It can't mean anyone that's ever lied is going to hell. That would mean there's no point in converting to Christianity. Hmm. Think about it. Everyone has lied at least once in their lives. And many, if not most people, lie on a regular basis. So Revelation 21.8 can't mean that liars can't become Christians because then no one could be a Christian. And if you don't believe that, then you're a liar. So what does that mean then, that all liars will go to hell? Well, in the context of the book of Revelation, the term liars has reference not simply to just lying, outright lies, or lying to protect the innocent, or other singular instances. Rather, the lie in Revelation is false worship, counterfeit religion, atheism, agnosticism, diabolical heathenism, in defiance of the true faith. The lie is paganism, idolatry, polytheism, or anything else that isn't the exclusive worship of the one true God as seen in the person of Jesus Christ. I like saying this. God is real. The Bible's true. Jesus is the only way. 
God is real. The Bible is true. Jesus is the only way. Anything that denies Jesus as God, Savior, and Lord is living in service of the big lie. To believe that Jesus didn't claim to be God, that he didn't claim to be the only way of salvation, this is what it means to live the big lie, to be a liar who will end up in hell, like Revelation 21.8 says. Let me say what I've said again, and I'll say again. The people of the lie are those who don't believe in Jesus and those who say they do but don't live like it. These are the unrepentant people. There's that word, repentance. When you say this type of person, this type of person, this type of person, it's talking about being unrepentant and giving you examples of it. Unrepentant people who might seem to do a lot for other people or even in the name of Jesus, but they don't actually follow Jesus. The Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, and he also wrote the epistle of 1 John. And this is what he says about the same thing, the big lie in 1 John 2.22. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And in 1 John 5.10, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. It's a religious lie. In John 8, 44, Jesus said that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He deceives people about God. He leads them astray from the one true God. Satan has been telling lies from the very beginning. He tries to get you to believe that God has not spoken when he surely has. Jesus is God's answer to the big lie. So now you read this list, and, and we read it. The cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. And what you're not realizing is when he says all liars, all those before that are the liars. Liars are one category of lifestyle sinning. And a life characterized by lying is not a saved life. But this revelation in Revelation 21.8 is larger than just eight types of sinners. This list and what it represents is not limited by these words because you also see these other types of lists in 1 Corinthians and Galatians and other places, and they're not the same list. What's going on? These words describe symptoms of the same problem. And the last word tells us what the problem is. In other words, the eighth category is manifested by the other seven categories. The phrase, and all liars, describe all the other types in one word. That's why I read it the way I did. And all liars. All the other types are manifestations of believing the big lie. This is why you can rightly translate that part of the verse as all the liars. The cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. These are all liars. These type of people are identified by their sin. Maybe I should just stop there and camp for about a year. You don't say, I'm a murderous Christian, do you? I'm a thieving Christian, do you? I'm a think. I'm a Christian who may occasionally do this. I'm a Christian who has an issue with this. I'm a Christian who's forgiven of this, who's struggling with this, but praise God, he's forgiven me, etc. You don't identify yourself by your sin, but by your Savior. And these types of sins are symptoms of the root problem. These people are not following Jesus Christ. We'll get there, and someone, you have 300 people go, and praise God, I hope every single one of them. But sometimes there's Judas, right? Well, it's not our fault. We train them, we do the best we can, and that's the way it does. That's our responsibility. The rest is God's responsibility. But sometimes we think, yes, oh, hallelujah, and you wonder what happened to them. Now, sometimes they fall and they come back and they're struggling and all that. Amen, we're going to talk about that. 
The problem isn't sin. The problem is when you say it isn't. The problem isn't when you struggle with sin. The problem is when you won't. That's what these people are. They're unrepentant. They don't care. Oh, God's forgiven me. Really? These types of sins that you see in Revelation 21.8, you see all over the place. But they're not the only ones. But they're describing people who aren't following Jesus Christ. And if you're a tender soul today and you really want to do better today, know this. It's not you doing better that saves you. Oh, my goodness, no. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that saves you. But he shows you when he has saved you, when you're really giving him your life and really trusting him, some things happen. It's not that you get all better in one day. It's that you keep giving yourself to him every day. As 1 John 3.10 says, is probably what I think is the other scariest passage in the Bible, he that keeps on sinning, and all right, he that has a seed doesn't keep on sinning, sinning, and it means practicing sin, but he helps you out. In 1 John 3.10, it says, It is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoops. We just can't know anybody's heart. We just can't do that. Oh, yeah? The Apostle John says, It is after describing. Woo-hoo-hoo, hard stuff. It's evident. The people that don't love their brother, the people that don't love God, the people that are faithless and all of that, that say one thing and do another. They're not people of the truth. They're people of the lie. So that's when you got a guy and he can say all these verses and all that and his life is a certain way and you know he doesn't even care about it. You know he needs to know. This is the only place this happens here. This is just at the end of the book when he's like, hey, look, you need to know. The Apostle Paul speaks about people who may call themselves Christians but are not. In Philippians 3.18, he says, for many, whoops. And this is not people that don't know Jesus. This is people that say they do. Many of whom I've often told you and now tell you with tears. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. These aren't people who are simply struggling with sin. These are people who won't struggle with sin. They aren't in a repentant state. They're in an unrepentant state. These are people who won't struggle with sin. Philippians 3.19 says, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. The Apostle Paul mentions these type of people again in Titus 1.16. They profess to know God. Okay, is that clear now? But they deny him by their works. They're detestable. Ooh, same word. Disobedient, unfit for any good work. Their lifestyle proves that they don't actually know God. This isn't about being perfect. This is about being honest with God. We're going to really hammer this home when we get through these texts, and you're going to see, and I think that you already do, and if you've got any inkling at all, would you please say amen? John's list in Revelation 21.8 isn't as long as he could have made it. He could have included other types of sinful lifestyles. And you see such lists in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. We all want to focus on arsenikoites, sorry, malakoi, malakos. We want, we want to focus on, you know, bottom top. Good, you don't know what I'm talking about, good. But he, but he says it right here. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he gives that list. Do not be deceived, everybody but me, no. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. We just want to camp there, don't we? Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And people want to pick that list apart and convince themselves they aren't on it or that someone else is. And then make that about politics. I guess I could be uh, you know, accused of being a pietist or whatever, but it is about you and God in the heart, and everything else is going to keep, oh boy. The king then the kingdom, my friend. But you'll notice 
that while this list mentions some of the same sins that the Apostle John does in Revelation 21.8, the rest of the list is different. And Paul has another list. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, that seems to be in all the lists, doesn't it? Impurity, sensuality, just that. Idolatry, sorcery, drug use. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, oh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And in case you think you're not in this list, and things like these. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you'll notice that his list in Galatians 5 is different than his list in 1 Corinthians 6. And once again, Paul mentions some of the same types of sinful lifestyles that John does in Revelation 21.8. But Paul's list is longer. And then he concludes his list with things like these, clearly indicating that his list is representative, not exhaustive. That's the point with all these lists. They all give symptoms of the same lie. They are the results of an unrepentant lifestyle. Not that you fully get out of every single thing and you've got to morbidly check yourself every day and all that. That's not what this is about. This is not about being miserable. This is about being honest and giving yourself to God or saying it doesn't matter. God's grace is a license for sin. That's the lie. The lie is you just don't believe in Jesus at all. But it's manifested amongst Christian people as they say they believe Jesus, but you know they don't. And they don't know. But it's not our job to beat them up. It's our job just to tell the truth and realize for yourself. If you're struggling with sin today, hallelujah. If you're not, whoops. Lots of people calling themselves Christians believe that grace is a license to sin. That's the book of Second Peter. That's what that is. They won't say it that way, and most won't teach it that way, but it's a very popular lifestyle today. People think they're going to heaven when they live like hell. They believe in Jesus, but they don't actually follow him. If you don't follow in this life, you won't be happy in the afterlife. The point with Revelation 21.8 is that John gives several of the types of unrepentant sinners whose lifestyle proves that they don't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And then, like Paul, he gives a conclusion, a catch-all, to include all such people who have not repented toward God and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. These type of people, whose lives are characterized by these type of sins, and all such people of the lie, they are damned. John could have named more sins or sinful lifestyles, but he doesn't have to, because he describes the root cause of their unrepentant lifestyles. They're all liars. In other words, they're all people whose lives show that they don't follow the truth. But the lie, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus. Oh, you know, imagine coming up to the altar. I love you, baby, now I'm going to go away with my mistress. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? This is what John is saying. He goes, it becomes obvious who is and who ain't. You ever done that? Paper tiger. Don't believe the lie. Your good works and your sincerity can't get you to heaven. Only Jesus can. But don't lie to yourself either. People who are going to heaven don't live like hell. I'm giving this message on New Year's Day 
and lots of people are going to be making New Year's resolutions, there is one New Year's resolution that I know God will be pleased with, and that is repentance. Resolve to find the places where you're believing a lie and the places where you're telling lies to yourself and to others and to God and turn from those lies and turn to the truth and live like the truth is the truth. It's called repentance. See, that's the word that people don't get right, and we're going to show you. It doesn't mean you have to make yourself perfect. It means you have to give yourself to God and allow him to work and then be honest with him that you need to repent of your not repenting. That's how God wants you and your life to change this year. That's his method of change. And repent of not being repentant when you recognize in your life the times and places when and where you distrust, disbelieve, and disobey God. That's what Satan's trying to do, get you to distrust, disbelieve, disobey God. It's not about making yourself perfect. It's about trusting that Jesus is perfect and that Jesus has told you how to live and the Holy Spirit empowers you to live how Jesus wants you to live. And when you mess it up, you bring your sins to God who loves you and forgives you and will assure you that you are his and he is yours because you stay in a repentant state. Because when God saves people, he causes them to be born again, he's transforming them and they get to be this way. It's not how far or how fast you are on the road. Is are you on the road? You're not perfect, but you're being purified. I'll say that one again. You're not perfect, but you are being purified. Keep a short account with sin and keep on repenting towards God and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. When you are doing that and keeping a short account, it's not about being so morbidly introspective that you say, I just don't know if I'm saved. I don't, I don't, was I sincere when I prayed that? Stop that. Have faith in God. You in and out, in and out, in and out. But sometimes you think you're in and you're not. But those that are in are those that do go to God. I'll never drink again. But they're not quite repentant yet. But they're on their way. I'm not going back to it. And for a while they don't, and yet they do. But, they're like, I, but they don't say, well, I'm never going to church again. No, they say, i got to get my butt in church. i got to talk to that preacher, man. i got to read my Bible. I guess my brother or sister really knows more than I thought they did. Or my mom and dad or somebody. I'll go to that meeting. I'll keep myself tethered to God's word, God's people, and God's spirit by doing what he, what I can see that I know. And the kingdom of God comes, the blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. And then one day you're clean for 23 years and you're like, how did that happen? You're either building a wall of sin or against sin. Keep that short account and you'll get, you'll get, uh, if you're not a Christian, you'll get prideful. But if you are, You'll get assurance. Mm. When Jesus said repent and believe the gospel, he was saying that your whole life is about repentance. This is not about beating yourself up all the time. This is about being honest with God. Here's something that may sound controversial until you think it through. It's a good thing when God helps you see a bad thing. It's a good thing. When God helps you see a bad thing. Because then you know you can take it to him and ask him to cleanse you and help you deal with it. Here it is. Here's the question that you and me and everyone else who calls themselves a Christian needs to address and answer. Am I living a rebellious lifestyle or a repentant lifestyle? Hear me clearly. 
A repentant lifestyle isn't about, where are you girls? Where are you? And guys, a repentant lifestyle isn't about anxiously having to find every little thing that you're doing wrong every day. Repentance isn't about making yourself miserable. It's about giving yourself to God and confessing when you haven't been giving yourself to God, asking for mercy, asking for grace, living for the God, living for God, living the truth. A truly repentant life is a life that's truly rejoicing and resting in Jesus. Not rejoicing and resting in Jesus because he just lets you do whatever you want to do. But rejoicing and resting in Jesus because he's starting to help you do what he wants you to do. And you're like, okay, repentance hurts, but it heals. You don't have to be that same old person. Well, this is my cross to bear. No, the cross is having to feel the pain. Again, a truly repentant life is a life that is truly rejoicing and resting in Jesus. Hallelujah. The problem isn't your sin. The problem is when you say it isn't sin. And the problem isn't when you struggle with sin. The problem is when you don't or won't. That's when you're a liar. The kind of liar that Revelation 21.8 is talking about. The kind that won't go to heaven. The kind that will go to hell. So the whole answer to this whole thing is repent. Heavenly Father, you're you, we're us. We need to turn to you to repent. A change of mind, a change of heart that leads to a change of life and walking towards the cross and we feel it and it hurts, but it heals. And we look at our Savior upon that cross and what he did and accomplished for us that we could not do and knowing that in him we have triumphed and that when the devil accuses us and says, sinner, we can look at that cross and go, winner. And that we won't just run and hide but that you'll come and find us and say, Adam, where are you? Just like back then. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.